fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. A Friday, man. Hey, you made it. You made it. Pat yourself on the back. It is the end of the week, and we are one week away from the kickoff of the holiday celebration, Christmas weekend. I know that... You know, not everybody may not celebrate Christmas, but whatever. You can celebrate it however you want to. You have days off. <laughs> and I think that is good news. So welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's so wonderful to have you with us as usual. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Uh, do you have the Christmas gifts wrapped and under nestled under the Christmas tree already? Do you have the decorations up? I'm, I will say that if you don't have your decorations up now, then maybe you just don't worry about decorations to put it up for a week and then take it back down. So just throwing that one out there, little tidbits, your voice of reason, wisdom of the day. Coming up on the show today, we have Danny Katz. She is the author of the book, The Language of Betterarchy. As we talk about words and do words really have meaning today? Have they been watered down? Obviously, I mean, if you're a Republican supporter and a Donald Trump supporter or just a Republican in general, then you get named every bad name in the book and things that we're not allowed to say here on the radio airwaves. And those are totally okay. Those are normal, according to the progressives. But are they watering communication down? And when we are trying to spread messaging, we talk a lot lot about messaging from the Republican Party. And are we really reaching the crowds, reaching the masses as the Republican and conservative movement? Are we using the proper wording to do so? And how do we use words to fight tyranny? And is tyranny itself a very bold word to use in this conversation? So we'll have that fun conversation coming up with Danny at the bottom of the hour. Big stuff going on in D.C., though, man. There's a, today's supposed to be the end of the legislative session in D.C. as they adjourn for the holidays. Now, it sounds like they're still bickering about a few things, obviously, one of them being the uh, Ukrainian funding, which, man, I'll tell you in a minute, Democrats, they are angry right now. Chuck Schumer, so desperate to get funding over to the Ukraine that he's willing to compromise on some of the Republican demands for border patrol and for the wall issue and for the immigration issue, which I'm here to <laughs> I'm here to tell you, this is dangerous for the Democrats, man. This is really dangerous. When you actually give some a little bit of power and they've never had power in their entire life, like the Republicans were talking about here, they've never understood their full potential. They've never used their full power. It's kind of like the person who's always been depressed, that's always been kind of beaten down, that's never really had opportunities presented to them. They don't know the power that's within them. They don't know the ability that's within them, utilizing what God gave you to be able to excel in this world and make the, the the world your oyster and be able to take advantage of whatever. And when I get a taste of that, and oh, this is what I can do? Oh, this is what I'm capable of? Oh, we need like a Tony Robbins motivational speech here, fill in the blank. Because Republicans are finally starting to recognize the power that they have. This is under a Speaker Mike Johnson, not under a Speaker Kevin McCarthy, by the way. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Just a little side note for you there. And Democrats now, in order to get what they want, if it's that important to them, they are having to concede. And the Democrat caucus in the Senate 
livid at Chuck Schumer because he's willing to concede on that. So we'll talk about that in just a minute as well. But one of the other issues that is floating in D.C. right now is obviously the announcement from the House of pursuing impeachment inquiries on the Biden administration. And if this goes through, it would be quite interesting to see whether this actually happens or not and whether Republicans will unite on this issue or not. And if so, then what happens? Obviously, like we saw with Donald Trump, that the House can impeach all they want to, but it would just put a little stain, I guess, on the record. Outside of that, it doesn't do anything. The criminal charges would be sent to the Senate. And obviously, the Senate at that time did not pursue anything against Donald Trump, so it really didn't mean anything at all. It didn't mean anything during Bill Clinton's reign back in the 90s either. Would it mean something under the Biden administration with a Democrat-run Senate? Probably not. However, according to some, like Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, you know, the former UFC guy that wanted to beat up the Union Teamster president because of the the, uh, back and forth that they were having, which would be hilarious to watch, by the way. This guy was on Newsmax earlier today saying that there is actually a possibility that some Democrats could vote to criminally charge Joe Biden if an impeachment case was handed to them from the House of Representatives. Well, Rob, one thing that we've asked for during this impeachment inquiry, that uh, that the House will send us a solid case. Listen, the inquiry doesn't mean that they're going to impeach the president. All that means is they have access to the records the White House and the Biden family hasn't been given us. Remember, when this investigation first started, it was the Biden family did nothing wrong. Now they're starting to say that uh, Joe Biden didn't do anything wrong. They're saying that the, that Hunter Biden's business deals aren't attached to, uh, to to President Biden. When we know they are, there was over 50 shell companies and uh, there's a numerous bank records that we've been able to get from Hunter Biden but every time we've tried to get something from the White House from uh, on Joe Biden, the DOJ, which is ran by, obviously, Joe Biden, has said that uh, without impeach- impeachment inquiry, they're not go- they're not obligated to give it to us. So once we start this process, the so one thing that the, the Republican um, uh, senators have told the House, which is what we've told the House, is give us an airtight case yeah. because we don't want to play politics with impeaching a president like the Democrats did with with Trump. So if they send us a case, make sure it's convictable. And and, and the bar is real high. There's no question about it. It's got to be a misdemeanor, high crime, or treason. And the other bar, it has to be committed while he was in office, the current office he holds. So what he did as a vice president, what he did in between the two, um, may not be impeachable. So that audio from Newsmax, that was earlier today. And Republicans, hey, if you're going to do this, make sure that the uh, case is locked and sealed and tight and that we can move forward with something like this because we don't want to look like we're being we're playing politics. And that's a good thing. I'm glad he goes on to say that there are potentially five Democrats in the Senate that are willing to vote on the criminal charges against Joe Biden if the case is uh, strong enough and if there's locked proof sealed evidence. Now, that brings up a couple of questions. What to them is that line of there's enough evidence for us to go after him as a Democrat going into election season while he's running for president of the United States? That brings up, obviously, a political matter. And Democrats can say that, but I'm not holding my breath on how many Democrats would actually vote for a criminal charge after an impeachment of Joe Biden when the Senate is run by Democrats and they have their top-down orders that you shut up, that you go away into your office, and that you just ignore this issue. Because, again, move along, sir. These aren't the droids that you're looking for. So we'll see what happens with this, but uh, it sounds like it is moving forward. And if there are Democrats that are open to it, maybe it's because they don't want to look like they're playing politics by defending someone who has an impeachment on their record after going after Donald Trump so badly. So it's very muddy. It's very fun to watch. And I'm telling you, 
pop the popcorn, get out the chips, because 2024 is going to be a sight to behold. All right. There's that. I don't want to focus a lot of time on the Biden investigation. We'll see more of that as uh, the year wraps up and into 2024. But we have to clear the air on something here, don't we? What's trending today? I know I talk a lot about this, but we have to clear the air because right now there is a tale of two stories regarding the economy. Uh, economic issues going into the end of the year. They're, and they are desperate to try and rise back up out of the ashes. Remember, Democrats don't have another platform, so they have to rise back out of the ashes. The argument to Bidenomics and Bidenomics working. Joe Biden mentioned the name Bidenomics just a couple of days ago at some rally or speech that he was giving, uh, which is the first time that they had mentioned it in a good long time. So why are they trying to rise this back up? Well, there's there's now a new hit, and uh, we'll lead up to this article because I laughed when I saw the headline. So funny, man, of how delusional people are. I know that we're we're surviving. We'll put it that way. We're surviving. The economy's bad. I mean, the inflation obviously is ridiculous. You, get, you go to the grocery store, and while Joe Biden said that turkey was at an all-time low in the history of history for you to be able to get a turkey during Thanksgiving, we know that's not necessarily the case. Now, There's a tale of two stories going on, and we have to clear the air on what's really going on, do we not? Here's number one. You can look at it this way and say that the economy is doing great. According to what Democrats say, the economy is fantastic. Inflation's down to just under 3% or right around 3%. We have consumer spending that's up, especially for the fourth quarter right now. We have gas that's at a reasonable level. It's an average of $3 a gallon, which is pretty good. We have job creation. Things are cranking. Things are moving. And according to some financial experts that we have missed the recession of 2023, that we're probably going to miss a recession in 2024 if these spending habits and these trends continue across the nation. Economy's great. Joe Biden got the economy back under control, right? Everything's hunky-dory. You can look at it that way if you want to, or you can look at it the other way, which is right now that we have jobs that are available everywhere. And while inflation may be up near only 3% year over year, when you look at an entire administration, we're looking at anywhere between 20 to 25% inflation, where things are a quarter higher compared to what they were before Biden got into office. That's a cause for concern. We're still running into supply chain issues. People's or businesses still can't find enough workers to fill the jobs right now. And while spending may be up, consumer spending, according to what is this, DNYUZ, I love this left-wing news site, hilarious to watch. This season's hottest shopping trend, which is the falling prices, everything's great. That's a contrast. Literally the opposite of what we heard just a week ago, where Democrats were like, hey, the economy's going great, inflation's coming down, businesses are the ones that need to drop their prices. Now, the supply chain issues may still be there, the regulations may still be there, the traveling issues may still be there, The uh, just the sales tax on issues may still be there, but you guys as the, as the business need to drop your prices on goods, and then the economy will really crank. Now, the story here all of a sudden says, well, the prices are falling. Everything's doing great. And what everybody's having a wonderful hunky-dory time. But then we look at credit card debt that is at an all-time high. And I'm talking all-time high out of any time that we've been able to track really since 2003 when things were kind of flatlined. But credit card, so the spending's up, but are we doing it in a responsible manner? Oh, that doesn't really matter. People are spending money. That's all that cares, right? The Democrats, that's all they care about. As long as we're spending money, it doesn't matter what we're spending it on. The problem is we're spending it on credit cards and racking up the debt on the credit cards. As according to uh, CNET.com, 
They talk about total U.S. household credit card debt is at a major all-time high right now, sitting just over, for the first time ever, sitting over $1.08 trillion at the end of third quarter 2023. Now, that is astronomical. That's like almost double what the high used to be back in the Barack Obama era in 2008. And when we saw it high before it, 2019, under the Trump administration, where it was sitting at $900 billion, uh, at that point, we've skyrocketed. It went down during the COVID-19 pandemic in 2021. We kind of saw a low because, well, you couldn't buy a whole lot of stuff. And then since then, it has been nothing but a straight shot upward with credit cards because people are spending their lifestyle choices of maintaining their lifestyle on credit not through their regular income because they don't want to lose that lifestyle. And I think that's largely because of my generation, the millennials, that are unwilling to change their lifestyle, unwilling to cut back just a little bit, unwilling to just cut out some of those crazy expenses and just continue it on. And now that we're starting to become the adults, and I say that in air quotes for our radio listeners, since we're becoming the adults, we want to be able to live our lifestyle the way we want to. I want to go get that $5 latte every single day, and you can't tell me otherwise, even if the price went up 20 bucks, doesn't really matter. So credit cards are at an all-time high. Does that really mean that they're doing well? Or does that mean that we're just racking up debt and pretending to do well in the economy? you got to look at it both ways here, don't we? So you can look at one way or the other, and while there's still jobs available, we may be seeing job creation, but... Jobs are still out there, and people are now having to get second and third jobs just to maintain the lifestyle that they're having. So is the economy doing well? I would like to say no. But you know what the Democrats say to that when they respond with all the good stuff and just ignore all the bad stuff? Oh, yeah. They're trying to pass off the blame to something else, and we'll do that when we come back here for a Friday on The Voice of Reason. Don't go anywhere. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into the program. Always wonderful to have you with us here on, especially a Friday, man. Wrapping up the week. You scream, I scream, we all scream for ice cream. TGIF, baby. Let's do this thing. Let's carpe diem all over this place. So, again, if those that listen that are on the other side of the aisle are like, man, this right-wing nut and always just one-sided... Look, we look at everything objectively here. I just laid out the two sides. The tale of two stories on the economy. On one side, you can say the economy is good. Gas prices are down. Inflation's down. Consumer spending's up. Job creation happening all over the place. The 13 million jobs that were created from the Biden administration or whatever they try to say now. On the other front of it, you can look at homelessness skyrocketing all over the country because mortgage rates are ridiculous and housing is way too expensive. You can look at all the jobs that are still available that uh, people can't hire right now. They're still short-staffed. They're still cutting their hours because they don't have enough workers. So there's that side of it. And while we are spending more, credit cards are at an all-time high and for the first time ever in the history of the United States, breaking a trillion dollars in U.S. household debt just in credit cards alone. A trillion dollars, $1.08 trillion. And I guess if that's good, then tell me what's bad. So there's two different stories that you could possibly look at here. Now, that being said, uh, with the Democrats obviously going into an election year, they have to find a way to just ignore that stuff and only look at one side of the aisle here. And they say, well, the economy is obviously doing very well. And if you don't think it is, 
because those right-wing nuts are telling you the economy is bad, because organizations like Americans for Prosperity have been trying to promote this whole Bidenomics failure, yada, yada, which is all a bunch of crap, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. You, you get it. You get the typical talking points from the left side. Here's what they say. According to the Daily Beast, which is fun to watch sometimes, man, they have some really whacked out stuff. You really think what type of things that they're on when they write these articles. Here's what the Daily Beast had to say. Has social media brainwashed you into thinking the economy's bad? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I know what you're thinking. What? That's what I'm thinking. What? 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 Say what? Has social media brainwashed you into thinking the economy's bad? Now, again, this is where reality versus fantasy starts to blend a little bit. There used to be a hard line of what was real and what was fake, and that started to get blended just a, a few years ago when we saw some of the social movements coming from the left side of the aisle. But how can, can you truly sit there and tell me that you're going to the grocery store and buying things? Is there a video? Is there a video on it? I think there's a video or at least some memes that are going around right now of people flabbergasted of how much food that the kid from Home Alone was able to buy in the movie in the early 1990s for 20 bucks. How much food is he able? The entire thing, like the bags full of food for 20 bucks, going to the store and be able to grab that stuff for $20. Today, you can get like two things, three things with a $20 bill. You can't fill up all those bags like you did in Home Alone, right? So you're going to tell me that it's not the fact that I'm going to the store and seeing higher prices and having to spend more money on the same amount of goods right now. Then you're telling me that, well, you're spending more money, so therefore everything must be great. I'm just spending more money to cover the same amount of items. You're telling me that that reality of things being more expensive and having a harder time to put gas in my car, harder time to buy food to put on the table for my family, that that harder time is nothing more than just me being brainwashed by someone telling me that that's bad on social media. Because actually, it's really good right now, so the fact that you are having to spend more money is all on you and not a big issue. That's what, you, that's what you're telling me. You get the blending of reality and fantasy here. And by the way, the lower gas prices, while they're trying to hype that up right now, I hope you realize that that's in spite of the Biden administration. That's not because of the Biden administration. They're pushing the Green New Deal. We just got out of the COP28, that uh, U.N. environmental uh, conference that happened over the past weekend. They just got done telling us they want to end coal energy and end coal plants all over the nation. But you know what's happening is that while the OPEC plus individuals are trying to cut the amount of oil production, which would have drastically raised prices of oil to roughly $120, $130 per barrel of oil, U.S. production is at an all-time high because they said, we're going to stick it to the Biden administration. We're going to start producing whether they want us to or not. And we're going to drive prices back down in the United States so we can actually afford gas for the wintertime. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. So wonderful to have you with us here on a Friday, greatest day of the entire week. It's time to carpe diem all over this place, is what we tell you each and every day. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. All of our multiple radio stations all over the place, plus radio and uh, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. 
however you watch or listen to us. So wonderful to have you with us here. I want to shift gears. This is the perfect conversation to have on a Friday as we try to almost get into holiday mode, but yet there's still a lot of things going on and to brace ourselves for what's to come in 2024 as we get into our latest and what's trending. What's trending today? So let me ask you something. We had this conversation quite a bit on the show. Have you noticed that some words, that some meanings of things have changed just a little bit? I always use the reference of if you go to a Webster dictionary from, I don't know, 20 years ago to what Google says and you look up the word socialism. Just look it up. Just look up the word socialism on what it says. A little bit different, isn't it? A little bit different. The Merriam-Webster Webster Dictionary from back in the day talks about how socialism is the control and oversight in the means of distribution of goods and services by the government. If you Google it today and just look at whatever the online tells you with the quick little uh, quick little search, it says that the control and uh, oversight of the means of distribution and production in the country is controlled by the people. And they try to blend those two together. Small little things. But you can notice something drastic on what the meaning of those actually are, which is probably why we see so many people that are saying that socialism is a good thing and that it's all about control by the people and that we get to oversee everything, which isn't necessarily the truth. So it's words that actually matter. Then we heard, obviously, for the last few years of all the derogatory remarks from one side throwing mud at the other one and the name calling and the attacking and the accusing of being a racist or a bigot and this, that and the other. And because of all this. Have we lost the meaning of some words, and have they lost their value to a degree? To talk about some of this and more, I'm so happy to have on the program. She is the author of multiple books, including her latest, The Language of Betterarchy, a blueprint for uniting against tyranny. Danny Katz is on the line with you. Danny, how are you today? I'm great, Andy. How are you? I am living the dream. I appreciate you so much coming on the show. What a fascinating topic, and I appreciate so much that uh, that you're focusing on this because we don't hear much about, I mean, obviously having fun with words because the English language is a wonderful thing. I failed in English class when I was in high school, in college, but nonetheless, it's a fascinating thing. And we need to utilize the English language to the best of our ability because right now I think it's being abused in many cases. Absolutely. I mean, wars of the past were always fought with like bombs and guns and bullets and tanks. And this one that we're in is so unique because it's a war of words, it's a war of thought, it's a war of propaganda and ideology. Um, So the work that I do and have focused on for the past 17 years is more relevant than ever because I'm honing in on the frequencies of this tool that the powers that were, as I like to call them, um, are attempting to use to divide, control, and enslave us. Once we're clued in as to how those energetic frequencies embedded in our languaging are functioning to program us as people, as well as reality at large, then we're resourced to use those words to transform our reality for the infinitely more wonderful. Ooh, I love it. So this gets into, I'm so glad you brought this up. There is a lot of talk about how Prayer works, for example, when you pray or like you said, if you're trying to manifest something in your life and you try and put those frequencies out into the world, if people look at it through through a spiritual sense or through a physics sense or whatever, that words have a direct consequence on what you put out there, whether it's a prayer, whether it's a manifesting. If you say you wish something when you blow out candles on your birthday, that you're actually creating something. And when you put it out into the universe, then it comes back to you tenfold in some way, shape or form, positive or negative, depending on what you put out there. Uh, And I don't know how many people recognize how powerful those words actually are. 
Yes, exactly, exactly. So the subconscious mind is responsible for 95% of our experience of reality, and it is programmed first and foremost with language. So every word that we speak, that we exchange, and that we think, right, and that means like our self-talk, is programming us 24-7. We think in words. We dream in words. All of those words are affecting our physiology, our neurology, our emotions, our psychology. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not a very religious person. I'm not religious at all. I wasn't raised with it. But I think it's very, very uh, um, telling that in Genesis, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Like just that statement right there, the word was God, is a clue that this isn't just communication technology, it's also reality creation technology. Yeah, I I completely agree. And that frequency is what creates all. I mean, what do you, some people are like, Andy, what are you talking about? When you go into quantum physics and look at it deeper, everything is a vibration. Uh, Every every literal piece of material, the pen, the desk, the person that we are, everything is just a leveling, you know, vibrating at a certain uh, level. So it's fascinating when you do put something out into that universe. I was always told, and I've seen this message, that when you're sick, you don't say, I'm sick. Oh, I'm so sick. I don't feel good right now. You always say that you're, I'm healing. I am, you know, thinking yeah. that positive sense because when you say that, oh, I'm sick, I don't feel good, like you said, that subconscious is, I am going to actually make, make myself sick and I'm going to, this is going to linger for a while. But if I'm healing, you're telling your body to literally heal subconsciously. I love that you honed in on that because one of my programs is the language of healing and it's speaking to where we're going. We're moving into a state of total optimized health. Um, So it's always using those ING words. I'm healing, um, you know, right now I'm healing some, um, some um, stuffiness in my head or I'm transmuting some um, disruption in my upper GI tract. I'm moving through some inflammation, right? Always putting it in motion because then we're directing our subconscious mind, which directs our whole physiology. Hey, don't hang out here in this state of dysregulation too long. Move us towards health as quickly as possible. Yeah. Do you think that helps with maybe people that that struggle with anxiety or depression or something like that as well, trying to uh, create that little bit better life or at least that different uh, reality or that perspective on the world based on this technique? A thousand percent. And did you notice how you just phrased it? People who struggle with. Mm. And so often, like, that languaging goes unquestioned, right? Oh, I'm struggling with this. I'm suffering with this, right? So it's like people who are learning from um, psychic weather that the Western medical paradigm likes to pathologize as depression or anxiety are very well served because every time that we're describing what we're going through, um, we're also directing our body and our mind continue this. We can leave this pattern behind. So especially when it comes to psychic weather, I encourage people to let go of the pathologies altogether. We don't need to call them depression or anxiety. Um, It's feelings of unrest that I've felt in the past. Um, It's psychic weather that I've experienced historically, right? It's also helpful to put those experiences behind us 
with our language, which is letting our, our present moment selves know, hey, we're available for a totally new experience. And just because I've experienced something in the past doesn't mean that I need to keep experiencing that this in the future. Yeah. Amen to that. I am so glad we had this conversation. We're talking with Danny Katz, the author of the book, The Language of Better uh, Betterarchy. That's, by the way, a lead up to her previous book, which is Word Up, Little Languaging Hacks for Big Change. You can find her website at dannykatz.com, D-A-N-I-K-A-T-Z.com. Let's shift it to a political sense uh, for just a moment, because we like to focus, obviously, a lot of uh, political issues on the show here. When we hear the ongoing Negative. I mean, just in general, from both sides of the aisle on social media, the attacks that we get, people accusing of anti-Semitism or being a Nazi, being a fascist, being a hate monger, being a, a phobic this, phobic that. You know, just the hatred that we see in society today. What is as if words matter and if they're going out into the universe, what is that doing to us as a human species? It's it's attempting to divide us. And I always say attempting because we as individual humans are way stronger than the dark forces that are trying to tear us apart. So any type of name calling, labeling, attempting to put people in boxes or homogenize people based on differences of opinion, that's a type of social engineering um, meant to divide us so that we're easier to enslave and control. So I always encourage us to hold each other in the us, right? And and just like how much wider can we expand that us? There are some of us who have historically voted Democrat, and there are some of us who have historically voted Republican. We're still in us. We're still the same us. Right now, I think the only kind of us, them, is humanity and the oligarchs who are trying to tear us apart. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's starting to shift a little bit. We still see the Republican, Democrat, obviously conservative, liberal, progressive, whatever. But we're starting to see a little bit of a paradigm shift between the people, the the common folk and the elites that are trying to control. And I think, you know, whether people like Donald Trump, dislike Donald Trump, he exposed a lot of that to where that really shook up that core. And now there's this war between the ones wanting to control and the ones that are tying, tired of being controlled. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, because I, you know, my job before I got into writing these books, I was a journalist. So I clued into this plan back in 2001 and spent the past 20 years trying to stop what's happening now. And it's really validating and inspiring to see how many people are waking up to it and aren't taking the bait. And I think the best thing that we can do, because You know, I always say this is my first global apocalypse. Like, I'm figuring it out as I go, right? So I was demonizing, quote-unquote, sides earlier on. But now understanding that, like, it's really going to be the most helpful to hold one another in mutual respect, even when we believe differently. Exactly. Danny, hang on the line. I want to continue this conversation. we got to take a hard break here real quick. It's Danny Katz. we got lots more to talk about on what the power of words actually means. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes. Oh, man. This show's flying right on by. I wish we need to have her back on for an entire hour. I love this conversation. I'm sensing a new favorite guest here on the program as well, Danny Katz. You can find her online, dannykatz.com, D-A-N-I-K-A-T-Z. 
Com. You can see all the books that she has. Her latest one, The Language of Betterarchy, A Blueprint to Unifying Against Tyranny. Danny, let's talk about real quickly with your book, what is the tyranny in your opinion? And how in the world did we allow the tyrants, the dictators, the elites, whoever we're battling now with this ongoing war in society, uh, to dominate the dialogue, to dominate the messaging in society to where we have to play by their rules to what their words actually mean? It's decades and generations of indoctrination wherein we forgot our own agency mm. and our own empowerment. And I, I know you opened our show with such – it's funny. When you, when you were introducing the idea of socialism, I was looking it up over here. Um, it was such a great one. But the same goes with the word authority. So Google defines the word authority as some external being that tells us what to do. That's not what authority means when we dial it back to the etymology. It comes from the Latin octor, A-U-C-T-O-R, which means builder, founder, or one who causes things to grow. So I think that like, if we're going to root causes, it, some, somewhere along the way, we gave up our own authority and just started following and obeying. And now... Um, we have generations of people on this planet who don't know um, our own internal authority, don't know our own sovereign agency, don't realize how much power we as individuals have. Um, so, you know, a big crux of my work is helping people connect with their own empowerment, with their own sovereign agency, not buying into have to, can't, should, won't let, not allowed, you know, all of those fictions that have a lot of people kneeling when it's time for us to stand. I love that because I think there is a quote-unquote great awakening, if people want to say that. I think there's a great awakening going on right now with people on all fronts, on all different types of topics, on that self-empowering, recognizing the power that they didn't have any longer, whether we look at it from a political sense and the fact that, no, we don't have to rely on the government to take care of us and do everything for us anymore. I'm going to figure it out myself because their social experiment has failed miserably, uh, whether it's religious as well. You know, the, the empowerment of you're, you're helpless, you're hopeless, and you can't do anything. You're just a horrible human being. Instead of, no, you know what, I'm going to fix myself and make myself better. That leads to a to a better life like that. Uh, I mean, there's the healthcare issue after COVID-19 was an awakening of, oh, wow, the pharmaceutical industry, I don't need to go out and just do everything the doctor tells me to do and run in there for a sniffle and get my flu vaccine every single year. I'm going to learn how to boost my immune system naturally to where I can actually be healthy on my own. There's a mass awakening of self-empowerment right now, and it's because of just what you said, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, obviously, I'm sure none of us, you know, enjoyed the past four years of tyranny and it's definitely the upside of seeing people wake up to this, seeing people get off of the, the daddy government fiction um, and turning more towards people in their community, towards nature, um, towards themselves, the power of prayer, the power of our words, all of these things. Um, you know, even, well, there, there are so many ways, but being in this game as long as I have, I do feel like the health thing is kind of like the gateway to self-empowerment. It's yeah. generally through people being getting stuck in the Western medical healthcare nonsense that they realize that, that there's got to be a better way. And then from there, then they open up to so many better ways. 
I love it. Dana, we're, we got about 30 seconds to a minute left here. Talk about how people can get a hold of you if they want to learn more about not only your books, but what you do to help empower them as well. How can they reach out to you? Um, yes, they can find me. Um, the best way is through dannycats.com. And from there, you can link to Quantum Languaging, where you can learn about my coaching services, my consulting, um, my pop propaganda homeschool course. Um, which is in the process of being digitizing social media, all of those things, dannycats.com. Dannycats.com. Danny, I love it so much. What a great conversation. we got to get you back on the show. There's so much more we need to talk about on here. Can we get you back soon? Yes, I would love that, Andy, and thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Hey, absolutely. We'll do it again here real soon. That's dannycats.com, D-A-N-I-K-A-T-Z. Go and check out the website, all the services, check out the books. Great conversation. And we'll get her back on here again real soon. That does it for us today. Join us this weekend for our syndicated program all over the country as well. We may have to have her on that show relatively soon as well. Plus, back at it again on Monday for this one for The Voice of Reason. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.